Hi everyone, Chelsea and Megan here. Thank you for joining us for a very special episode of Asp and Answered. Today we are honoring Bert Geiges, who served as the 22nd president of Asp from 2007 to 2008. Unfortunately, Bert passed away in 2022 and left a lasting impact on professional students, Asp, and the field. We thought the best way to remember, honor, and highlight Bert's legacy was through his colleagues and students at Springfield University, where Bert spent most of his career. We asked them to join us and talk about their memories of Bert and the impact he had on the field, their lives, and ASP. We are beyond excited to start with Dr. Britt Brewer and Dr. Judy Van Ralt, Bert's former colleagues. So before we jump in, I would love to hold space for the two of you to just give a quick 30-second to one-minute elevator pitch of who you are, where you are now. I'm Britt Brewer, and I was a psychology professor at Springfield College for more than 30 years and retired recently, um, and I'm now living in Arizona. A little bit warmer there, I bet, than it, than at Springfield. No. No. Okay. Oh, different part of Arizona then. My geography is probably off. Okay. <laughs> Got it. And I am Judy Van Rod. I'm a professor of psychology at Springfield College, and I spent uh, a good bit of my career, well, my one and only job at Springfield College, but also as a visiting scholar at uh, colleges and universities around the world, five years in summers and spent in China and um, several, four or five in the MSEP program in Europe. And um, so that international perspective, um, as well as doing teaching, research and applied work kind of has informed a lot of my career. Great. Thank you both very much. Thank you for being here. So as Chelsea mentioned, this is really our way of kind of honoring Bert since he's no longer with us. And so we just love to get a picture of Bert through those who knew him best or who worked with him in that kind of capacity. So um, could you both tell us just a little bit about your relationship with Bert? Maybe we'll start with Judy and then we'll transition to Brett. Yeah, I think um, I met Bert at during his conference going years and he uh, stepped into sports psychology in his 60s. So it was one of his many careers. And I really would credit Al Pettipah as um, reaching out to Bert and then adopting him. So um, I think first Bert became part of the academic family at Springfield College. And then um, he, and in, in that role, he provided services to teams and athletes at Springfield College, driving two and a half hours each way to work with the track and field team for a number of years, uh, teaching courses, driving, you know, driving back and forth. And then he really became family because, you know, he, he stayed at our house uh, when he was in town. And then he also hosted me when I played uh, tennis tournaments in New York. So um, that's a lot of connections. Great. Thank you. My recollection is uh, becoming acquainted with Bert also at, at conferences and sort of as a friend and colleague first and um, more as a part of the family later. Awesome. Thank you both. Yeah, wonderful. I, I love that you 
got to see him maybe in multiple roles or multiple hats, more in that personal side, but also in that professional space too. You already spoke to this a little bit, Dr. Van Rolt, but I'd love for both of you to share a little bit about Bert's interest in the field, maybe uh, to your knowledge, what drew him to the field or what he loved about the field and just his interest in, in sports psychology as you got to know him more and, and developed a relationship with him. Yeah, I think Bert became interested in sports psychology in part because of his work with the Westchester uh, Track and Field Club. And I'm not positive I have the, the correct name. I know in, in one of the sports psychology videos that we did with Bert, we spent an inordinate amount of time introducing him because he is also from Westchester and Al Pettipa doing the introductions could not stop saying Westminster, (laughs) (laughs) the dog show. But in any case, um, he worked with Westchester track and field athletes. um, And I think that increased his interest in providing uh, really high quality services for those athletes. But Bert himself had also been an athlete as a fencer back in the day. And so that was his uh, competitive sport perhaps involvement, but I I really think that finding sports psychology also was a real delight for him to find a new academic home and community and applied folks to work with. I think he took a non-traditional path for sure to finding the field. And I think most folks end up finding the sport first and the psychology later. And he went from medicine to psychiatry to psychology to sport later. So not the path well-trodden. I'm interested you both mentioned that, you know, you, you first kind of remember seeing him at those conferences. What was Bert like at those conferences? Do you remember what that was like those early years with him? So I, my most vivid memory is that, NASPA conference in 1991 and that at that organization they've got motor behavior and motor uh they've got motor development motor learning and sports psychology so there are fewer sports psychology specific sessions and Bert went to every single one of them and after every single presentation he raised his hand up and he'd have a question Um, and they were challenging questions, but he was non-confrontational. Basically he wanted to know he was curious and he was like a kid in a candy store. And, um, you could be sure that at the end of every presentation, he was the guy who was going to have the question. (laughs) And that's, you know, that certainly set him apart from literally every other uh, member of the conference audience. And also he has a, has a very distinct voice that to me um, kind of resembled John Forsyth's voice. He's the guy who is the voice of uh, Charlie's angels, the television, <laughs> show, not the, the remake movie later on. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Britt. Judy, does anything else stand out to you? I think Britt nailed it. He had a notebook. He was sitting, taking notes, paying attention mm-hmm. and chatting afterwards in a warm but rigorous manner. 
Mm. Oh, I love it. I love the stories of Bert that he was just such a consistent learner throughout his life. I mean, I can't even imagine starting over now and to think that he only found the sports psych field even later than now is an amazing, amazing thing to think about. I'd, I'd love you both to kind of reflect a little bit on your experiences with Bert and maybe just say, you know, what's one thing that you learned from Bert, whether it was his interaction with others, whether it was an interaction with yourself. Is there anything that stands out about maybe one thing that you learned from Bert through the years of working with him or really developing that really close relationship? I, I'm going to just speak to um, Bert's teaching, classroom teaching. And mm. I think he was informed by, as, as Britt pointed out, a really diverse and rich academic tradition. Um, in his own work, he paid a great deal of attention to what people said, listening closely. So, you know, the words should, this is what I should do, as opposed to could do, or I have to. Um, he also looked closely at, you know, at wants and what do people want and what's getting in the way. And I think that very close attention to his clients is something that stuck with me. And I'm going to share an anecdote. I think he was talking about a client he had, he had worked with for years. And at, you know, at some point the client apologized. They're like, I, you know, I must be your worst patient or client because I, you know, I always talk to you and, you know, you must feel terrible that I'm not getting better. And, and, I think Bert was like, oh, that's no problem. I'm focused on me being the best counselor that I can be, me doing my job. Like the part about you, that's all on you. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, not I a love problem. So really being present and listening to language, I think were things that I, you know, I took from him. Great. Thank you, Judy. Bert, anything stand out to you? I'd say he's just a, another example of someone who I've come across who is completely authentic and genuine, and he was totally himself and uh, couldn't have been anyone else. Um, and that is, I, I think, a, you know, an exemplary way to live. And, and that is not specific to sports psychology or anything like that. It's just... Uh, he was who he was and uh, was, you know, didn't have any qualms about it, didn't try to be anything that he wasn't. And uh, I, I think there's a, certainly a lesson in that. Absolutely. I think what really stands out to me is him, to your point, him leading with who he was and, and modeling that by leading with that, it's almost giving permission to others to be who they are too, and to bring their full selves to be themselves um, as he's modeling that by doing it himself, whether it be learning and always having that question or be it being present and listening to language that it was just him bringing all of himself into those spaces, which is amazing. The one other I thing I'd say please. to piggyback on what Judy had said was that uh, he was very attuned to language of self-criticism. And I think that that probably uh, stemmed from his own, uh, his own experience of, of self-criticism and his awareness of the toxicity, potential toxicity of that and not wanting others to experience that. Thank you for that. It is real. That's uh, woo, Yeah. 
If we could transition now, and and please go if this is professional, Bert. If this is personal, Bert, please go conference, Bert. Um, but we would love for you to maybe tell us, to your level of comfort, your favorite Bert story. Whoever would like to go first. I think we probably have the same favorite Bert story, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think uh, a lot of people who who. Uh, had limited contact with Bert, but long ago, well, this might also be their favorite Bert story. Judy? Yo, you want me to talk yeah, about you're, it? Yeah, you can tell stories quite well. <laughs> so there was a time when at ASP at the banquet, ASP would align with Halloween. And so people would come in Halloween costumes. <laughs> and so that was a challenge. People were all in. They, you know, they packed their Halloween costumes. And so Bert brought a costume that was a complete hippie vibe, which, you know, fit in with some of, you know, some of the evolutions he went through. And so he had white hair from the time we knew him, you know, the, as in sports psychology. So he got this hippie wig, this whole hippie costume, but he got a white wig. So it looked like his hair that he had grown, <laughs> which was awesome. And he danced the night away. So he was all in. So um, that's, that's one. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I, I was I was I was pretty comfortable saying that I, I would guess Bert's dancing dancing would come up somewhere because I know coming up as a younger sports psych person, that was you know, if you go to any of the banquets, the one thing you have to look out for is Bert is going to be dancing. Doesn't matter where he's at, when the music starts, Bert will be on the floor. And so I'm I'm very glad that that piece of it came out in some way. This conference is in the mid-90s in Colorado Springs when ASP experienced its own version of Legionnaire's disease. There was a, an illness that swept, uh, a gastrointestinal illness that swept through the, the entire conference and made a very, very quick-moving um, bug that uh, made uh, everything more intense, I think. And, and his, his dancing that much more uh, apart from the crowd. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you needed that lightheartedness at the end of that. That sounds terrible. Oh my goodness. I think it was terrible for everyone who got it. And for the people who didn't, um, then everyone was annoyed at them. So, you know. <laughs> so How dare you survive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. In, in well, thinking about Bert as a, a good sport, there was one uh, other story that came to mind for me. He was um, participated in our virtual brands videos, which were designed to give people a chance to look at what sports psychology is like, not talking about it, but actually seeing it. And um, he made a series of videos where he would be meeting with a client and then it would stop and comment on, here's the choice I could make. I chose to say this or not say this because of that. And then back to the client. And when we were filming, Bert wore glasses. So he didn't feel that he could do the video with his glasses off, but they kept tilting and reflecting the stage lights. And so we couldn't, like he couldn't hold his head still. So we ended up using scotch tape to tape the glasses, to, <laughs> which is, you know, not that 
dignified of a moment. And he was like, you know, go for it. Like, I can't give up the glasses, but I can have you tape them to my head. So if anyone gets a chance to look at them on vbvideo.com, you can appreciate there are free clips to see Bert doing that with the glasses taped to his head, which I haven't looked closely enough to see if the tape shows, but it probably does. Oh, um, yeah. Love it. And I got to oh find those creative solutions. Say, um, one more big challenge for Bert was that he truly believed that everyone was welcome in the field and some of the divisions between the types of training people had or who could do what or what was the right thing. Um, it, that was just something he, he strongly rejected. He really thought everyone should be welcome. He was as interested in the student giving their first presentation as the expert and was ready with a question <laughs> for everybody. And, and I think that's another uh, benefit or, 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 you know, really beautiful thing that he gave to the field was that mm-hmm. it's a big enough tent for everybody to be welcome. What a great message to think about even now, especially with some of the things that have come out recently with some of the recent asked accreditation and some of those things. So it's a, what a great message to think about. We'd like to transition a little bit more, and this is um, a pretty big and heavy question. And so we know it could be kind of hard to answer, but we'd just love to get your perspective on it. But if, if either of you had to say, what do you think Bert's impact on the field will be now that he's no longer with us? What do you think it will be, whether it be through his students, through his actions, through his behaviors, what do you think his, his impact on the field will be? I think he was always the smartest guy in the room. So he brought an intellectual tradition with his many years of experience uh, across disciplines, across professions, um, across types of uh, practice um, that, uh, you know, it's tough to boil down to any, any sort of one set of, of, legacies that he's likely to leave. And I hope that the legacy, as Judy alluded to, uh, the idea of uh, inclusion um, and acceptance uh, and bringing lots of uh, contributors to the table, that that will be one one thing that he leaves behind. Um, He does have his uh, volume, um, his second edition of my work in sports psychology, um, which is, uh, in a way, I think, uh, a lot of his lessons all in one place. Um, as Judy also mentioned, um, we thought that a lot of his, his uh, contributions can best be seen live. So we, we tried to capture them on video. Again, when we met him, um, he was in his, his uh, mid-60s uh, in the early 90s. Um, and, you know, we figured, oh, the typical lifespan of people, um, we made our first video in 1999 and say like, here we go, we've got them down now. And, and like, just in case, just in case things, you know, the lifespan doesn't work out so well, he was, he was sickly as a child, you know, but just in case we've got, we've got something for him. Um, and we, we made more and then we had one that we focused solely on him and thought, okay, here we go. Um, you know, and of course 
Of course, he lived more than a decade after that and continued to uh, show others how uh, a way forward for for practice in the field. So um, I I think anybody who had a chance to watch him in person uh, took away at least something from the way he works. And uh, it's, it's hard to, I think, capture that uh, in, in, in one encounter or a hundred encounters. It's something that, that this is, this is a, a field where uh, the work, the benefits accrue over time, um, just as we expect athletes to not expect miracles right away. Um, a lot of things that ways of practice that Bert modeled um, and discussed are things that, that take a while to internalize and develop in oneself, but they do set a, a set of aspirational standards to, uh, to, to go, to go for. Thanks. And I'm going to build on that and say um, that the legacy might be with the generations of colleagues and students and things um, that are then passed on. So I know Dolores Christensen took a, a lead role in the Bert Geiges lecture and having people um, use that model of doing sports psychology and having other people observe them live and the, you know really revealing their work and opening it up for others to see uh, that I think makes everyone better at what they do. So that would be... Um, ongoing sharing of learning, being willing to put themselves out there is maybe something that will continue in the field um, for those who remember Bert and for those who never knew him. But, you know, I hope that will continue going forward. You know, what comes up for me as you're sharing that is this idea that it sounds like Bert wasn't only inclusive in thinking about the field was for everybody, but that even his strategies or his approaches, those weren't his either, that he wanted to share that with others. He wanted to um, teach others and learn from others. And so there, there was nothing that he really, you know, hid, but instead wanted to just <laughs> share so that everyone could grow, the field could grow, and we could all just get better together. There was a, a funny moment when uh, we were working on one of these sports psychology videos and uh, Bert and Ken Revisa were both doing this video. And it was a little complicated for Bert because the athlete who was being interviewed was um, role-playing her college years, but he knew her as a graduate student. So it was oh. like a little confusing because she was interacting as she would have in college. And so he was you know, surprised and he, he struggled a little bit more in that session, which we were videotaping than he normally would. So that is a little horrifying because that's what's going out into the world. And so he talked to Ken Revisa about how, you know, how disappointed he was and how, you know, self-critical he was about that. And Ken really comforted him and, you know, talked about sharing what he was doing and the quality of his work. And it was such a great example of, you know, this, um, highly skilled uh, psychiatrist and expert, you know, turning to a colleague. And there had been other times where uh, Bert had comforted Ken 
I think I remember as a young professional getting a call from Bert and he just wanted to talk about a client and something that had gone well. So sort of like a peer supervision. And it was like, with me, you know, but, <laughs> but it was. And so, yeah, so I think that that sharing was very genuine and very real in, in every direction. Yeah. Oh, is there anything else about Bert, your relationships with him, stories? Is there is there anything else that we maybe haven't asked that you just want to share to put out on record? I'd like to add one more thing about Bert's uh, wife, Ilka, and his daughters, and that um, his, his wife and his children and his grandchildren and his family were extremely important to him. And Ilka came to a number of ASP conferences. There was one year where we were talking, I think we said, what are we doing tomorrow? And someone said, what's the date? And they said the date. And it turned out it was their anniversary. And, you know, and they were kind of like, what? So I guess sort of how they celebrated it, but that they would come to ASP on their anniversary because that was important, Um, you know, really meant a lot. So I think he was able to be the person he was because of his caring for his family, but also because of their caring for him. Yeah, and I would just only add that getting to know him, you realize that he didn't come out of the box as a, you know, Yoda-like like figure. <laughs> <laughs> what did it take Yoda 800 years to, to accrue that wisdom? And he had multiple career paths, and he took something from each of them and his own life experiences, and that's sort of where he wound up. Um, but one need not look at that and say that, you know, that, that the way he was, was unattainable. Um, that some of being able to, to work the way he did, um, that you can't again, over time, pick up, uh, pick up some of the skills and, and attitudes and, and ways of working that, that are, you know, that are part of his, his human development and, uh, he's, he's a case in point of someone who wasn't always the way he was and became that through his own, again, curiosity, um, and hard work and experience, uh, that it, it brought him to a, a completely different place. And I think his family would verify that as well. Oh, thank you both so much for sharing your your thoughts and your experiences with Bert. It's been uh, an outstanding time and I, I really appreciate your time and your perspective. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. It's great that uh, others will uh, get to learn more about Bert as well. Now to present a different perspective of Bert's work and impact, we invited two of his former students, Dr. Dolores Christensen and Dr. Erica Van Dyke to share some stories and lessons learned from their time with Bert. Thank you so much for making time to be here today. We are just so grateful and so looking forward to hearing about your relationships with Bert and what he taught you. So let me start off by just holding space for you all to give a quick 30-second elevator pitch of where you are now. And Erica, we'll go ahead and start with you if that's okay. Awesome. Thanks so much. I just wanted to say it's really an honor to be here and thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, get to remember Bert together. It's really special. Um, So I'm currently an assistant professor in the athletic counseling 
program at Springfield College. Um, as a Springfield College alum, it's been really special to come full circle and reconnect with the community there. And that's also where I had the opportunity to meet Dolores and learn from Judy, Britt, Al, and of course, Bert. Um, so at Springfield College, I mentor mm -hmm. students, I teach, and collaborate on research projects. Amazing. And so beautiful to see that come back full circle. I love that so much. And Dolores, how about you? Yeah, um, I'm currently the Director of Psychological Resources for OU Student Athletes here in the University of Oklahoma Athletics Department. Um, so we serve the mental health and performance psychology needs of our OU student athletes and teams. So I do direct um, individual sessions with student athletes on the mental health to performance psychology spectrum, um, work with teams, consult with our interdisciplinary team, um, hope to do more training in the future. We also have our internship program here. So do a lot of supervision and training of the next generation of sports psychologists. Um, like Erica, I'm a proud Springfield alum. I was in the PsyD program in the athletic counseling concentration, which is where I was also trained by Britt, Judy, Al, and Bert. And Erica and I were first years together from when I was first year doc, she was first year masters. And we actually grew up like, we'll say an hour and a half, two hours from each other in California. Small world. Amazing. So Erica, as you mentioned, the goal of this really is to just honor Bert. And we couldn't think of a better way to honor Bert than to hear from his students, because I, I think um, a consistent theme that we've heard through doing this podcast and then just anybody who knew Bert was that he always spoke of like how important like teaching and mentoring and like the next generation of, of people in our field were. So we'd love it if you all um, could just tell us a little bit about your relationship with Bert um, and whatever um, whatever you'd like to share about that. So Dolores, if you're ready, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah. Well, I think probably for Eric, both Erica and I, Bert never taught a full class at Springfield. At the time that we were there, um, he had moved into the, you know, emeritus role guest speaker. And so I feel like I was a special kind of student with him, um, which was when he came, um, you found time to go. So anytime Judy said, hey, Bert's coming, she, she gave us plenty of notice as Judy is good about. And it was like, you cleared your schedule to go. And so I, it's funny because I don't think of Bert as one of my Springfield professors per se, um, in the same way I think of Judy Britton Al, whose names are on my transcripts, but I do think of Bert as one of my teachers from Springfield College. And that feels really important. And I think for both Erica and I, we are so happy to be here. And I think we both recognize there were so many students who could have sat in these seats to talk about Bert's legacy. And, and <clears throat> I think we both honor that this is one slice of the pie but we hope it just reminds people of like their slice with Bert too. Yeah, that's really, that's really nice, Dolores. I think too, like the idea of having like a professor versus having like a teacher, just the idea of the word teacher feels so powerful, I think. And so I, I really appreciate you making that. And also I hope, um, not that I don't think people need like prompting to, to remember people or honor people, but um, as you said, there are many people who could be sitting here and hopefully um, as part of having this conversation, it like spurs other people to share and, and speak about people who mean so much to us. Because I think, you know, as people, we probably don't spend enough time doing that. Yeah, so, so true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just want to completely echo what Dolores said. You absolutely cleared your schedule anytime that Bert would come into town to visit our, our graduate programs and speak and deliver workshops. Um, I yeah, vividly remember even when I was not in the particular course that he was facilitating a workshop or, um, you know, engaging with our programs on a day, I would absolutely go in whenever, whenever he came to visit. So that was really special. So I, I too see him as a, a teacher, a mentor, had the opportunity to have some really, really lovely conversations with him at our ASP regional conferences and at national conferences. And, and those conversations have really stayed with me and impacted me personally and professionally. So I, I just really appreciated Dolores, your, your mm-hmm. language there. And I know language is something that Bert always really, really valued as a teacher and uh, yeah, as a mentor. So I would say that that, that feels really congruent with, with my relationship with Bert as well. And I think just to add to that, I think why he feels felt like a teacher still feels like a teacher is because when he would come to Springfield and do like his workshops, they were true workshops. That was not him lecturing at us or telling us things. And we were just kind of listening, taking notes, like you were up out of your seat, moving around, talking to people, getting his feedback, doing visualizations, like just, it was so immersive. And so I think that also created such a special relationship with him because you don't really understand his greatness till you're at a national conference and people are talking about him. You're like, Oh, Bert, Bert. Yeah, I know Bert, you know, Bert, what? But then it's like, Oh wow, this is someone who's literally sharing his genius with us in a very intentional, very thoughtful way that we can then take into our own experiences and our work with clients too. To follow up on that just a little bit, For um, anybody who's listening who maybe hasn't gotten the privilege of listening to a BERT presentation or attending a workshop, could you just talk a little bit, you just did a little, but more about, like, what did that look like? (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. I, I have two really strong memories of two separate times he was there. And like Erica said, I'm sure there were others. Um, both times felt really deeply personally impactful. And I think it's because, again, the way that he structured it. So uh, Bert is is and will always be famous for his role plays. So his live role plays with him and a single client. That's sort of the spirit of the Bert Guy Just Workshop that we have now. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, and so he would just like call for volunteers and he would just say, who wants to come up? And that was it. There was no like, I need you to be a youth athlete. I'm going to be the, it was just like, I want you to work through something that's, you know, psychologically safe. It's not meant to dive into trauma, um, but something that would be useful for you that you might experience with clients. And at one of the regional conferences that Erica was talking about, I was about to run, I think I had a 50K race like that following week or the next week or something. And my training had just not been going well. And I was just like, I'm so burnt out. And I was like, all right, Berg, give me what you got. Right. And I came up and I was like, I hate running and this is dumb and what do I do? And um, I don't remember like fully what Bert had told me. I just remember the impact of it was he was like, you kind of got to get over yourself. Like that's not helping you. (laughs) So mad because I'm like, you're supposed to make me feel good. (laughs) And I just think about how many of my clients today probably leave my office being like, you were supposed to make me feel good, Dolores. I'm like, yeah, it's not my job. And so anything about Bert, like in that way. And I remember feeling, gosh, I must have been a 
third or fourth year at that time. So I kind of understood his greatness at that time. And so just being able to sit across from him, I know exactly what room it was. I know exactly which chairs we were sitting in just felt so meaningful. And obviously looking back, I'm so glad we had that time where I just had that 15 minutes of him to be able to literally work through a problem with me and then dialogue with the audience about why he asked certain questions or how come he went in this direction and not this direction. Like he just allowed us to peek behind the curtain and that was such a gift. Yeah, absolutely. I I think too, I had an experience being in a live role play with Bert, similarly kind of volunteering, embracing the vulnerability of that and stepping in. And I think it was around the time when I was wrapping up my time in the master's program and reflecting on what the next steps would look like. And I think it was one of the first times that I didn't have the whole path, like planned out before me. And so I, I sat with Bird and it's like, so, you know, where, where are we starting? Like, where are we at? And um, I just said, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's coming next. It feels really uncertain. This is really novel. And we had had multiple conversations leading up to that point throughout the program when he would come to visit for his workshops. And so he kind of made the statement, like, you love to learn. And I was like, yeah. And he said, so if you already knew everything there was to know, there wouldn't be anything new to enjoy learning. And it really reframed this feeling of not knowing yet into something that could be joyful and that I could embrace in a really different way. And that's something that still a work in progress, but definitely have um, just embraced and really valued that perspective. And it's, it's really stayed with me. Yeah. Bert was so direct, but in like this really beautifully gentle way, like when he was essentially telling me like you being in a pissy mood, isn't going to help your running. It was like, oh yeah, that's a long time to run and be really upset about it. I guess I should, I could try something different. Thanks. You know, it was just like this beautiful simplicity to his work. I so appreciate you all sharing the power of people being open to one, what they do and to why they do what they do, the decision-making behind it. I think as a student, I remember just being so desperate of how do you do that? But how do you do that? And why do you do that? But what does that look like? And for him to create space and to be willing to just go with the flow, Mm -hmm. that is so Mm -hmm. incredible. So Given these different moments that you had with Bert, can you share a little bit about his interest being involved in the field of sport and performance psychology? And I'll let either of you go first. So, yeah, I think it's really neat to think about Bert's entry into the field of sports psychology. It's something he did later in life following a really robust career in the medical and clinical fields. And so... I guess my personal position on it is that having a model for lifelong learning as someone who was interested in being involved in the field of sports psychology um, is just like really nice, something to aspire to. Um, And then as I was reflecting on yeah, that question. I also wondered what Bert might say about his interest in being involved in the field of sports psychology. Um, And so 
I like took an opportunity to revisit a little bit of his work. And so, so thanks for that. And he shares just this really deep interest in the process of change, um, in self-awareness, in language and applying those things with athletes in sports spaces. Um, and, and I think those teachings are evident in some of the work that he's done around like the, the alphabet of change and how awareness can proceed um, you know, our, our change process and also like these hierarchy of wants and how we often say have tos when there's something that maybe we want that's behind that. And so I say those things in, in an effort to just notice how he was so interested in language, in change, in awareness and prompting that within athletes and in sports spaces. So I think those are maybe some of the things that that he was interested about the field and just so appreciate him as a a lifelong learner. I think it's something to be said about Bert had a whole career before he came to sports psychology. And I think in our field, there's sort of this misunderstanding that you have to go to these certain programs and have certain names on your, you know, resume and you have to do certain things. And here's somebody who was the president, the, the penultimate leader of our organization in his quote unquote second career. And I think we know many people, many trusted colleagues who have done that in different ways. Um, And Bert was such a kind of shining example of that. I also really like Erica's question about like how he would answer it. And part of me feels like his style, again, this this style that Erica is describing, I think fits with athletics, right? It's pretty concrete. It's pretty encouraging. If you watch some of the, the virtual brand videos of him doing his brief interventions, like he's just such a natural in being in that space and really understanding the pressures that an athlete might face or feel, and then reframing in a way that feels more useful to them. So I I wonder if his interest was also driven by maybe a sense of like, this really works for me. I really enjoy this or I'm pretty good at it too. There's also something just so special about bringing that idea of change into spaces that maybe aren't as open to talking about it, right? You think about kind of the the old philosophy of coaching and no, this is how it's done. And for him to come in with just this openness of "Eh, maybe there's a different way. Maybe you don't have to be miserable when you run. Maybe you can approach this differently. Um, I think that's so there's something refreshing about a different perspective, particularly one that meets you in such an authentic and empathetic way. Um, And it sounds like he really just genuinely cared Mm. for people just so genuinely cared and the rest kind of followed from that. Um, And I love the lifelong learning model too, Erica. I think that is incredible to think about just not only for you personally and that, that motive that he gave you, that reframe that he gave you, but um, for him to model that too, as we think about becoming, you know, early career professionals or mid career or late established career professionals that, you know, there's still change. We can still be open to that as it's very powerful. Yeah, I think as I was revisiting a little bit of his work and just um, remembering some of his contributions, um, there was a, a preface to to one of his works, and I think it said that he was approaching some milestones, one of which was his 90th birthday. And I just thought, like, wow, that's just incredible. And I hope that we can all gather a little bit of that kind of longevity. Yes. And I think it's important to 
not lose sight of the fact that Bert did care very deeply about people, about connection, about wanting to pour into students. That's just, or, or if you were the client in that 15 minute role play, you know, like that's sort of what he was known for is these hugely impactful mini moments, but it's just because of how present he was and it's because he cared so much. And I think it's incredible that almost everyone you ask about their interactions with Bert will have a very similar experience mm-hmm. around his genuineness, mm-hmm. his curiosity to learn, his presence with you. And I think for everyone to have that common experience in connecting with him is is just really special, remarkable. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you both for sharing that. You both... I think talked about this a little bit, but what do you feel like is one of the maybe most significant is inaccurate, but more significant um, lessons that you all feel like Bert taught you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a deep, that's a take a deep (laughs) breath question. So I guess I'll, I'll chime in and share this one because it's what's coming to mind. Um, during one of our conference conversations, we had the opportunity just to chat. And um, he, I, I think I was getting ready to start my doctoral studies. So it was like right before that. And of course, in the way that I have a tendency to do, I was like wondering if I was prepared enough and how rigorous it was going to be. And um, yeah, wondering if I, you know, had enough to approach that work and be able to, you know, succeed in it. And he kind of noticed that lean and kind of shared his common tendency toward perfectionism and kind of named it and, and said that it has these two components striving for excellence, but also this tendency to be kind of self-critical. And that was something that he had experienced in his own way throughout his, you know, vast career. And he shared this lovely sentiment that at some point in his career, he just decided to, let go of the self-criticism piece. Like it just wasn't serving him anymore and to replace it with self-acceptance and just the notion that we could choose that sort of change um, was really, really meaningful at the time. And again, although I don't know that I've totally embraced the self-acceptance that uh, that would be optimal. I think that there was something that was a lesson that has also stayed with me um, from that from that moment. So yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think again, Bert wasn't afraid to put himself out there. You know, like it's a big deal to go in front of your peers at a conference and practice. You know, um, it's a big deal to run for and then lead our organization or. Um, to to do the things that he did. And I think that's something that, especially in coordinating the Burke Guy Just Workshop for the last four years, like it, it takes a lot. And he just did it. He wrote his own abstract every time he could. He would do it. He was accepted because um, I think conference planning folks knew he was be amazing. And I think that's such, a, such an important thing I think I've tried to take away and just be reminded of. And there's another like moment I had with Bert where he kind of, um, like recognized me when I was doubting myself. It was also my first semester at Springfield. And I just, um, kind of thought I had 
probably made the biggest mistake of my life moving to Massachusetts um, when my entire family was in California. And he just, um, yeah, just very, again, genuinely had heard that I applied to a different doc program and didn't get in. And he's like, yeah, they wanted you, but we got you. And it was like, just this like genuine excitement where I was doubting and questioning and being like, oh my gosh, did I make the biggest mistake? Um, And it was so reassuring. And I think it's sort of that the common thread in both of those pieces is it's okay to take a risk. It's okay to be open to criticism or that you made a mistake or it wasn't the right fit. Um, And I, I think his spirit is such a, a constant nudge to keep doing that because he did it. He pushed himself all the time. Like he really was somebody who walked the walk and that's, it's such a beautiful gift to think about that because obviously I didn't make a mistake going to Springfield. He was right. It was the right place for me to be. Um, and then that trust and reassurance in myself has been something that I think he very subtly has given me. And I think it's in part like the what he's conveyed in the messages, but also the how he just is with humans, like the humanity, the just genuineness and presence that I think allows the lessons to resonate in a, in a meaningful and powerful way. And I think what stands out to me too, what both of you are sharing is his willingness to self-disclose in a way that is so, that meets you and acknowledges humanity again to that point of that, hey, I struggle with this thing too. Here's what worked for me. Maybe try it. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Um, But I, you know, I'm sure he recognized we have this tendency to put people like Bert on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and for him to say, hey, yeah, I know what that's like, or hey, we got you. We're so excited to have you for somebody to like him to say that, like, you do you even know my name? What is going on? Right. Exact so, reaction. <laughs> yeah. I I just love the way that he was able to meet you and and again that humanness that he led with. It's so powerful. So this again probably echoes some of what you've already shared, but maybe in a more lighthearted way or go wherever you would like to. Tell us your favorite Bert story. What what's a Bert story that stands out to you that just makes your heart happy, brings a smile to your face? What's your favorite Bert story? Um, so another workshop that he did with us in that first fall, um, when I was at Springfield, just to go back to Megan's question a little bit ago, like the format was pretty immersive, pretty experiential, and I'll never forget he guided us through this. Um, yeah, I guess visualization would be the best way of saying it. And it was like this whole thing where you were walking up a mountain and there was a, a, a man or a guru on top of the mountain and you got to go in one at a time. And you got to ask him a question. And then your subconscious, like through the visualization, was supposed to give you the answer. And I just was like, yeah, that's never going to happen. But like, cool, like, let's do it, Bert. I'm here for you. You're, you know, if anybody can do it, it's you. Um, and gosh, he was so right, of course. Like, we all kind of had that moment of like, you could see people opening their eyes and looking around and be like, what, what did your guru tell you? What did your guru tell you? And he was just, I think, so pleased that we had had such a positive reaction. Um, and then the other one I, um, I think about is when he was able to join the virtual Bert Gijus that we had. I guess that must've been 2020 when we had to switch it to virtual um, where he was able to zoom in and he, just to have him in that space and to kind of imagine the virtual community that was out there. Um, because I think Bert's sessions were packed back in the day, but I think ASP has grown so much that those sessions are packed now. 
like for him to sort of have that in a virtual sense and to facilitate that um, as the session moderator was just really cool. And I think in a, in a beautifully sad way, it was clear that we were nearing the end of our time with Bert. And it was sort of, it made the moment mean even more because we were all together and had that with him. Absolutely. Thank you. So I remember watching that workshop that year and listening to Bert um, just kind of be in his own workshop and just seemed so pleased by by the fact that everyone was rallying with him and being a part of it. Erica, how about you? What what might be one of your favorite Bert stories? So I just really recalled some of the things that, that we've touched on already, some of his workshops. I also really remember that kind of imagery visualization that we did with Bert in walking up this mountain and kind of coming to this like being or human or guru and kind of having that moment to meet and connect. Um, It was like, wow, that was actually really neat and glad that we walked through it. And just so lovely when, when Bert is pleased, when, when it, when it goes smoothly. Um, I also have this recollection of doing a workshop where we were asked to stare at a partner for an extended period of time without talking, just looking at a partner for like minutes. And then to kind of debrief, what was that experience like? How was it sitting with someone in silence? And I think if you can start to embrace that as a skill in this sort of work, goodness, that's, that's huge. So I think that was a really helpful lesson. There were lots of like awkward, like are we doing this? Like, um, and just like really, really neat to see what we were able to take away and really debrief that conversation about the discomfort, but sitting in it with it and how we might do that alongside the athletes, the, the clients that we work with in the field. Um, those are a couple of fun memories. And then of course his, uh, yeah, dancing skills, I saw a picture from one of our um, socials at an ASP conference, and it was the silly picture. And of course, I'm doing just like my typical smiling face in the picture, in the silly picture. And Bert is making this most lovely, funny face. And I think it also speaks toward just like his lean into vulnerability in as a person and in the work that he does. So those are a couple of the maybe more lighthearted pieces that come to mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The dancing at the conferences has come up so many times. I think, I, I can't imagine there's anybody who's attended ASP that does not have such a clear visual memory of that and like what a gift, Mm -hmm. like to be in the field at the time that we were, to be able to see that it's just, like not a care, just dancing the whole night away. It's just amazing. I love that. And also like what piece of that can we translate from like the way we might interact with our colleagues and our lives, like embracing who we are and bringing that authentic self into the work that we do and meeting people where they are. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just think that's kind of just a lovely way to be. Oh, for sure. And leading with joy, 
too. Yeah. That that freedom to be joyful. Yeah, I love that, Erica. I think um, to a point that you made earlier to Dolores about how like at the conference and people would see him and be like, oh my gosh, it's mm-hmm. Bert. And you're like, yeah, it's Bert. Like we know mm-hmm. him. And I think like even people who didn't have him in class or have a relationship with him felt like I don't, I don't know. I just, I always felt like in his presence, like he was like listening mm-hmm. to me when he like suddenly didn't have to. And to your point, Erica, someone again, who was in the field, who's such so highly regarded and so well known. And I don't know anybody who didn't watch like those role-playing videos, like in part of their like education. And then just like seeing him at a conference dancing and it's like, well, if he can do that and be vulnerable and be like so authentic in this moment, it's, just, it's incredible. Like almost gives you the freedom to show up and be who you are as a professional. And also, yeah, just with, with a little bit of transparency and some authenticity. Yeah. Maybe that's how the, um, the bird gagas, uh, workshop should go is like beginning with a little dance, maybe ending with. Oh, I love that. Erica, we'll have to do that. Yeah. taking notes. <laughs> all right. You all have been so gracious with, with your memories and um, sharing all these things about Bert. I guess this next question, what do you feel like Bert's impact on the field is? And maybe his impact on you too. I know you both have, again, been so gracious sharing these memories with us, but, but what do you think about that? I mean, I, I hope one of the impacts continues to be the BERT Guide Just Workshop. I mean, that could not be more quintessential BERT where the idea is that as he did, it's a live role play. Um, I did it for the first four years. Erica shadowed me this year and she'll coordinate going forward. But the way we structure it is that the practitioners don't know a lot about the clients. Um, we haven't quite been brave enough to make the leap that BERT did, which is just pulling people up from the audience. There's There is some structure to it that I'm sure he'd be like, oh, come on. Um, but we are trying to capture the, like, how does a practitioner work in a sort of real life environment? And cause that's really what Bert was one of the many things he was most known for. And I, the feedback we've gotten on those workshops has been tremendous that from, you know, really experienced practitioners to brand new graduate students that they love getting to see how different people approach a similar situation. And so I, I think that from that legacy impact standpoint is that learning is still happening, you know, in Bert's name and a style that is very Bert. And as the years go on, we'll have more people who didn't know him, who didn't have those direct interactions, but they'll get to feel his spirit every year at the conference when we do the workshop. And I think that feels like a really beautiful offering to the ASP community from Bert, from people who knew him to keep that going. Hmm. I think you said that so beautifully. I don't I don't know that I could add too much more above and beyond. I will say that it was just such an honor to get to be a part of the Burt Gigas workshop along with you this year, Dolores and our, our lovely practitioners and including Chelsea. And um, just the response from professionals and students in their own words about how a student watched the video in a class and now I'm integrating that work into the work that I do with athletes. So it's like there's continuity in his practice in um, the way that he approached sports psychology work with athletes. That's just really lovely to hear. And then just, um, and I know this came up throughout our conversation today, but professionals speaking toward 
just how honored they were to get to share space with Bert, his presence, his genuineness, his, you know, humility mm-hmm. in, and his expertise mm-hmm. um, that he brought to this work. And just the volumes of people that shared those sentiments was really like moving, mm-hmm. really moving. And just felt really touched to hear that from the community and encouraged that through the videos, through his readings, his work is living on in students and professionals and practitioners in the field. And also like, it's a pretty rare thing to have a workshop named after you. So I just think he would be really pleased by that. Yeah. Uh, Layla Saad, she does a lot of work in social justice. She talks a lot about ripples and creating ripples. And I think what's so powerful that I hear you all talking about is the ripples that Bert has created, where even if I didn't get to see the stone, Mm -hmm those ripples are moving out so broadly that they're still mm-hmm. impacting people and, and making a difference. And that's really, really beautiful. Um, I want to echo Megan. Thank you so much for making time to be here for um, giving of your energy to share these stories and reflect. I think it's such a, a beautiful thing y'all did by creating more ripples, right? By sharing other ripples and other ways that he impacted people and, we truly are beyond grateful that you were willing to to invest in this and make time to be here. So thank you so much to you both. Thanks for having me. Is there um, anything that maybe we didn't ask about or anything else that you'd like to share um, just in the space of, of honoring and remembering? Just that I could see this conversation and holding space for colleagues and students through just just our small lens and our glimpse into his work that that maybe a little bit of this will help his work live on and for others to um, reflect on their experiences with Bert or the teachings and lessons that maybe they've taken away and uh, continue those ripples. Um, And I guess, I hope, I like to think that maybe a little bit of Bert's learning can can live on through the students that that we work with, Dolores. Yeah, I would say one thing that is, um, it's not, it's not a disappointment, but I, it, we came up with the Bert Guides workshop at Strategic Planning in 2018, did the first one in Portland in 2019, and that was really the time where Bert had stopped traveling. And so the virtual conference was such a cool opportunity for him to be a part of it. And I think I, I will probably always feel a sadness that he's not in the room because, you know, he would just be so into it of like, oh, I wonder why Chelsea asked that question. I'm going to ask her afterward. You know, he would be so engaged. And I think depending on your spiritual practice, you could say that he is always in the room. And um, that's certainly the category that I fall in. And so I'm really excited to be an audience member going forward. And to kind of feel his presence with everybody as we're really living those ripple effects that both Chelsea and Erica have been describing. I think I can't imagine like a better way to honor like our mentors by like trying to be some kind of reflection of the things that they taught Mm -hmm. us. And I think both of you are, are clearly doing that in both of your own ways. So I'm sure he's couldn't be happier to see that, that, that the legacy lives on and then that you're rippling as well. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thank you so much to you both. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Our sincerest appreciation to Britt, Judy, Dolores, and Erica for making time to join us for this very special episode. 
We hope this episode provided a time and space for you to remember or to learn about Bert and his lasting impact. We'll see you next time on Asked and Answered.